Amen. How many ready to get in the Word this morning? Are you ready to get in the Word this morning? Last week, we began a good. Somebody said yes real loud. That was good. Keep that up. I need that energy. Amen. Last week, we began our series in Galatians. Uh, what we saw at the beginning was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Galatia. And we covered a few things. Before we get into what we covered, let's pray over the Word this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for an opportunity to speak out of what is God-breathed, what is good for correction and reproof, what is good for teaching. Lord, I pray that it's done for your glory, for your honor. Lord, I pray that in what is preached this morning, Lord, it would stay with us, it wouldn't leave us, but we would remember these things. Lord, I pray over each person here, Lord, if they need healing in their lives, if they need a breakthrough in their lives, Lord, minister to them, even as I'm preaching this morning, even as maybe some other people are speaking this morning, let them be ministered to by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We covered a few things last week that are worth remembering, and one was this. Paul was an apostle. Say apostle. He was sent by God. He was a sent one, right? And so he felt that it was necessary to remind the early church that his calling was not from man, but from God. It was not from man, but from Jesus Christ. So Paul is writing to them because he is astonished. Say astonished. Right? Last week we said shocked. He's astonished. He's shocked. He's surprised that they have so quickly deserted Jesus and the gospel that saves, right? They have deserted it for another gospel, a false gospel, and we talked about what that is. Second, or actually we didn't talk about what it is, we talked about the dangers of a false gospel. Then third, we see Paul makes it clear that his only concern, say only, his only concern is with the approval of God and not man. How many know that's where our approval needs to lie? Not with what man's thought is, but God's thought. Our approval our concern should be with the approval of God, not man. This week, we're going to begin, we're going to jump right into it, verse 11. And we're going to jump right into Galatians 11, 1, verse 11 through 12. It says this, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not any man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. We see Paul emphasize his calling again. It's an interesting thing. I can't, can I tell you that when you see this pattern, when he just doesn't say it one time, he says it multiple times. It's for a reason. How many know Paul is emphasizing his calling not out of pride? We talked about that last week. He's not doing it out of his own pride, but as a way of saying clearly, this is not my Self. This is not my own thoughts. This is not my own devices. This is not something that I was just clever that I thought up one day. This is revealed to me by Jesus Christ. How many know there's good ideas and then there's God ideas? Right? There's good thoughts we may have and then there's godly thoughts that come to us. In verse, uh, I will say this a continuous theme in Paul's ministry, and I said this last week, we're going to continue to say it, is that his ministry always points to Jesus. His ministry always points back to Jesus. His calling isn't from man, it's from Jesus. So in verse 13 and moving forward, Paul begins to share and lay out what is his testimony, and it goes well into chapter 2. So how many know it's important to share the testimony that God gives us, right? What God's done for you, in you, and through you, amen? Robert, you shared a little. We had men's breakfast yesterday. It was awesome. We had a lot of food. We had a good amount of bacon. We had bacon left over, Mike. How was it? Excellent this morning? Fantastic. Robert shared with the men's group a little bit. Robert, go ahead and stand up if you would. Give him a hand for sharing yesterday. He did a good job. You can sit down. Thank you. Uh, man, he did a good job. But it's, why? It's important to share what God's laid in our hearts. It's important to share what God's done in our lives. It's important to share about where you were and, and, and how God has used you to bring peace and healing and verification, maybe even salvation to those who hear your testimony. 
How many of you know that's why it's important we share our testimony this morning, right? Sorry, it's important we share our testimonies not to lift us up, but to lift Jesus up. Not to lift us up, because how many know a lot of times we're just dirt and spit? Right? Come on. Right? It's about lifting Jesus up. Without Jesus, it might be motivational, but it will not be transformational. Yeah, you better write that down. That's a good one, Bobby. (laughs) It might be motivational, but it won't be transformational. Listen, Paul begins this way in verse 13. How many, well, before we get into that, how many ever went to, in grade school, you went to see a motivational speaker, right? So grade school was fantastic. You get out of class for an hour. You go to the gymnasium and the cafeteria and the auditorium, so the cafe, gymnatorium, whatever they call it. And you get down, you sit down, and you hear somebody that's motivational. It's usually about, you know, don't do drugs or don't do this. I was in a gang and, you know, uh, things like that. And you stay out of that. And the guy that came out of it or he went to prison, he did all sorts of stuff. Motivational, right? But very rarely, once in a while, once in a while, in a public school setting in Michigan, I would hear someone say, I was changed by Jesus Christ. And I went, whoa. Because there's something different between, listen, I understand some people are in bad situations and they pull themselves up by their bootstraps, they get out of it, and that's great, that's motivational. But how many know outside of Jesus, it's not transformational? Paul begins this in verse 13. He says this. He says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I. Say zealous. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Paul was a successful Jewish leader. He was young. He was zealous. He was smart beyond his years, and it's likely that if he had stayed in Judaism, his career would have been prestigious. Verse 15 says this, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not go immediately to consult with anyone, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Paul brings up a few things here that we need to unpack. The first of which is his salvation experience. We're more than aware about his salvation experience on the road to Damascus, right? Paul is telling the Galatians that he was set apart for a mission. Paul is telling the Galatians that he was, it, was, it was in place before he was born. That God had a plan. What we see here is God in his omniscience saw Paul's response to the encounter on the road to Damascus. We've spoken before about the differences between Calvinism and Arminianism, right? So this is one of those verses that can and has been debated for centuries as to what came first. What came first, the chicken or the egg? That's what the argument is about, right? What came first, the chicken or the egg? Let me tell you, as much as as fun as it can be to break down the theological viewpoints and discuss the ins and outs of the different stances, let me say this. No matter what your viewpoint, the point is that Paul was saved. The point is that Paul was saved by Jesus Christ. No matter what your viewpoint, whether it be Calvinist or Arminius, at some point you're in church this morning, you're saved by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So listen to this. He came to an encounter. He chose to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior because regardless of whether it was the chicken first or the egg first, at the end, there's still an omelet. Amen? How many like omelets this morning? This is a food analogy. Whether it was the chicken or the egg, he's still saved. And so we talk about, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the minutia of the Bible. We get caught up in the minutia of these, these different arguments and these different theological debates and really debates within the body. Let's not get caught up in those things this morning. Let's focus on, because the truth is this. Sometimes if we focus on the minutia, if we focus on the tiny things, we focus on just the littlest things, we miss the blessing that's right in front of us. 
You get so busy digging it apart and digging it apart and let me find this truth and let me find that truth that you miss the truth that's right in front of your face. The blessing that's right there. Paul was going one way, the Lord stepped into a situation. How many know sometimes you're going one way and the Lord steps into your situation? How many ever had that happen in your life? You're going one way and then the Lord decided, oh, no, I'm going to step into your situation now. It's an interesting thing. Paul says, I encountered Jesus. I didn't consult with anybody. I didn't go to Jerusalem and speak with the other apostles. I encountered Jesus, and then I did some traveling. Listen, when you have a life-altering encounter with Jesus, there is nobody and nothing that can take you away from it. It will be undeniable. There was a person that I encountered that said he had a life-altering experience with Jesus Christ. Had, a, I mean, vision and spent time with the Lord in heaven and, and, and just a tremendous, wow. And a few things came up where some correction was brought and some correction was given. And all of a sudden, he decided, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I'm going to leave. I'm going back to paganism. Let me tell you something. When you've had a real, genuine encounter with Jesus Christ, it will change you undeniably. It will change you undeniably. It brings another dynamic to Paul's conversion experience that we're so familiar with. So I'm going to follow a little bit of a rabbit trail here. How many are okay with that? How many like rabbit trails? Yeah, Braxton really likes rabbit trails. Uh, It won't take long, and I promise you it'll bring us back around here. So in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, the Lord gave uh, a man named Ananias a vision. How many know this story, right? So, Saul has been saved. He's on the road, road to Damascus, and he's blinded, right? So 9.15, Acts 9.15, Lord gives a man named Ananias a vision. In it, he is told about Saul's experience and where to find him and to physically pray for him. And so Ananias is, is really, he's taken back by this. He says this, he says, but Lord, this man's evil. This man is evil. And the Lord says in verse 15, says this, but the Lord said to him, go, For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer. Say suffer. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Sometimes we miss that word suffer. Sometimes we say, well, I will show him how much he's going to prosper for my name. I will show him how much he's going to live in luxury for my name. Is that what the Bible says? No. I will show him how how much he's going to target people and get people to give tithes and offerings that should go to the local church, but instead goes to a TV ministry. Let's go somewhere else this morning. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I want to say this clearly, and, and you know, I'm kind of having a little bit of fun with it and being a little flippant with this this morning, but I do want to say this. Some of the greatest ministers and ministries that I have ever encountered have been built on suffering. Have been built on relieving the suffering of others as well as going through the suffering of those in charge. Whether it be ministries to those who are suffering in Africa, or let's talk about Ukraine right now. Talk about those who are suffering around the world. I want to say clearly that those who are called by God will suffer in that calling. There will be times of plenty. There will be times where on the mountaintop, and there will be times where, man, God is just, just blessing is raining down, and it's amazing, and it's awesome, and it's glorious. And then there will be times in the valley. I was talking to a pastor this last week, and I was reminded of, of Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was in the middle of a Nazi concentration camp. 
And from the middle of that concentration camp, she said these words, no matter how deep my darkness, I find my God is deeper still. No matter how deep my darkness, my God is deeper still. The first, uh, a few verses earlier, you know, we're told in Acts chapter 9 about the road experience. We talked about Saul is blind for three days. Three days of blindness. I want you to think about that this morning. Saul has this tremendous encounter with Jesus Christ. And then is put into darkness for three days. If you would, you can't do that, and that's okay. But if you can, close your eyes this morning. I wonder what the Lord spoke to Saul in those three days of darkness. Just as your eyes are closed, what does the Lord speak to you? I don't know exactly what was spoken to him, but how many know it changed his life forever? Open your eyes this morning. The reason we close our eyes is because it takes away distraction. The reason we close our eyes is because we, 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 can, we can get just us and the Lord, right? And so I think about three days that Saul is put into darkness. Three days where he's just alone with his thoughts and Jesus. Three days he's had this encounter with the Lord and now he's just there, right? We don't know the ins and outs of what was shown to him, but we show clearly his path was altered. Clearly, who he was before the road and after the darkness, after the blindness, is a different person. There are some people that have encountered the same types of life and eternity-altering salvation experiences. How many know somebody that has this man like tremendous testimony? That, man, you think, how in the world could this person be saved, and yet somehow God saved him? I think about Nicky Cruz, right? If you think about his testimony, gang leader in New York, God saved him, God radically, he's, he's a pastor, he's ministering, it's incredible. One pastor I know, he was high on PCP as he wandered into a church and encountered Jesus. He said he was immediately sobered up and left that church and served Jesus ever after. Just, just high as a kite, right? And he gets to the altar and he says, immediately, he said, I, I just, I don't know why. He said, honestly, when you're high on PCP, it opens you up to, you're hallucinating and you're looking into the spirit realm a lot of times. And he said, I got to the altar of this church and I called on the name of Jesus and instantly became sober. Instantly became sober. He left that church and he said, man, now nah, I just, I'm living for Christ. He became a pastor. Another person I know, it's a really interesting story. He says he grew up in a Christian family. He liked church. He never got in a ton of trouble. He didn't drink. He didn't smoke. He didn't get caught up in drugs or sex. He simply came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and accepted him into his life. And now he's been a good and faithful Christian for many, many years. Then you say, well, Pastor David, that's, that's not nearly as dramatic a situation or dramatic a story, right? Can I tell you, no matter what your salvation experience was, you can still give people the testimony of your eternity being dramatically altered. Your eternity has been dramatically altered from damnation to salvation. You may say, but my testimony is nothing compared to theirs. How many know sometimes people need bigger wake-up calls? Right? I think about Mike Schubert. Mike Schubert's not with us. Of course, he passed away this last year, but I still remember his testimony. And if you remember his testimony, you know he needed a bat to the head to come to Jesus. Right? How many know he needed a bat to the head? How many need a bat to the head this morning? Come on. Just to wake me up. Boom. Why? Sometimes we need a bat to the head. Sometimes we need that just wake-up call. Of Jesus. Rachel, if, if Bryce is around here, could you grab him? I wanted to take some time this morning. Hey, there he is. To have a, a few people share. 
not just you, you don't just hear from me, but hear from them about how they came to Jesus. So here's the thing. We've been here now almost almost full seven years. Um, when we first came here, we were candidating, and I remember that uh, while we were candidating, you know, I came and preached, and and I think I think my wife and I were parked in a car right out here in the drive, and this 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 baby faced kid came over to me, and I'm, Jackie, me and Jackie were were there in the car, and he came over to our car window. And he said, hey, I just want to let you know I really appreciated your ministry and really appreciated what you do. I can't wait to vote for you. Listen, here's the thing. I thought, is he old enough to vote? <laughs> I really did. I thought, I probably looked at him like, oh, like, oh. And he, uh, I saw it. So I asked him, I said, are you old enough to vote? He goes, yeah, I'm a member. Like, he was all proud, you know. I have watched. Uh, him, his wife, and now his family, his kids, grow and thrive and love the Lord and love people and be a testimony. And so I called him a little bit uh, a couple days ago and said, would you be willing to share a little bit of your testimony? So please welcome Bryce Hansen this morning. Hey, everybody. I'm still a baby-faced kid, according to pastors. So, uh, yeah. Um, well, I came to Christ in 2010, but uh, before that, um, I was in and out of churches. We went to a Lutheran church for a little bit, went to Sunday school there, and uh, then after that, I went to Crossroads for a few years. Wasn't getting much out of that. Um, just went because my parents were going, and uh, um, then my grandpa passed away, and uh, we started coming here. Um, but what led me to Christ was seeing the example that Christ set through my dad. Um, you all know his story about how he came to Christ. If you don't, you can talk to him about it later. But uh, seeing the example of him trusting in Christ and uh, um, seeing how he was handling the grieving, I was lost. I had a big hole in my heart, didn't know how to fill it, tried a lot of different things, wasn't happening. So... Um, yeah, I uh, picked up my Bible one night. Uh, I read it a few times here and there. Didn't get much out of it. Uh, just was like, well, I really don't know what I'm reading, but uh, I felt this tug on my heart. And I was downstairs. It was late at night. I was in my bedroom. Couldn't sleep. So I decided to open my Bible up. And uh, uh, I was reading it for a little bit, and I just felt this warm peace and presence that came into my heart. And uh, I can't describe the feeling other than that. It was amazing. And uh, I got down on my knees right there, and I prayed a prayer of salvation. And I've been living for Christ ever since. How many remember uh, when I first got here, I made Bryce run around the church like seven or eight times, whatever it was. It was never going to happen again is what he said. So. What a great testimony. Just, man, something happened in his life. It brought, it brought him to the place to where he was able to accept Jesus. Steve, man. Everybody give Steve a hand. Now, when, when Bryce shared, when he asked me, you know, does it have to be long? I said, well, you know, a minute, two, you know. He goes, okay, well, like 30 seconds, 45 seconds. I said, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. When I told Steve that, he said, it might be longer. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. And that's my son-in-law, Bryce. Love that guy. Love his testimony. Uh, just a short thing my daughter said. She said, Dad, I want a guy. I want to marry a guy that loves Jesus more than he loves me. That's Bryce. I'm so thankful for him. Uh, yeah, if I told you all of the things here, we'd be here a long time. I, I got uh, good things and bad things. Uh, but I got to say, I, uh, my cousin John's here. He he worked in, in bringing me to God. He may not know that. Uh, but uh, in 1976, I was 
I was living in the basement of my mom and dad's place along with all the bugs and beetles and everything else. And I was drinking and I'd come home at night and I'd read the Bible and God was touching my heart. I remember crying out to God and uh, I didn't hear an answer. And I kind of turned my head away thinking, yeah, he don't hear me. And just like that, John Weber called. He said, you want to come to a Bible study? And I said, yeah. And that started a, there was a great awakening between Rexy, John, me, Gary, Ron Hansen. There's a whole bunch. We got baptized in Assembly of God in Sherburn. Uh, I'm sad to say that I went back into my old ways. And uh, I got to tell there's many people who have walked with God for a while and they've walked away. And I want to say when you come back, all things aren't new again. Maybe they are for you. They weren't for me. But in the Bible, it kind of speaks that you don't, everything isn't new like it was the first time you believed. There's a process. There, there's, there's strongholds that got into our life because we walked away. I sense, I still sense a stronghold that I, that I fight against that God's going to free me of someday. But I eventually, as people in the church know, I kind of fled the law and went out to Phoenix. And God showed me a church in 85. I wasn't living for him yet, but I prayed that he'd lead me to a church, and he did. I, I couldn't stay there because of uh, all the fear and the condemnation that I was going through. I just couldn't stay there. Um, in 1987, I decided, and God took me down even to a lower spot, lost everything pretty much ahead, including my health. And uh, I went to this church called Valley Cathedral. It's a non-denominational church filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, that pastor is still preaching today. I see, I see him on uh, Facebook. And I thought he was old as the hills back then, and he's still preaching today. I, I can't believe it. I love that guy because I'd sit on a park bench and read the Scriptures, and then I'd go to church and he'd preach on it. You know, that's how God used him in my life. And uh, and after I come back, there was a week, it was a real struggle. I mean, I did. I was out of money. I put all my gas, all my money in the gas in my car and drove down Camelback. I hit a piece of steel. It hit my gas tank and drained it all out. You know, God sometimes allows you to go through some real hard stuff. Are you going to stay with me this time? If you can endure that, maybe you can stay with me, you know. And I had to go through the fire, and I didn't like it. But I sat on my couch out there, and it was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I was afraid. And I said, Lord, please cover me with the blood of Jesus. And I felt him touch me. And a ring went, went around my head. And he applied the blood. And that's why, at that point, I was watching great men of God preach real arrogantly. And I thought, you know, I'm down here looking up, but I can see a lot different that not everything's resting on the blood of Jesus. When you're weak, you're strong. And uh, my testimony is uh, we overcome through the blood of the Lamb, word of our testimony. I used to stop there. I didn't want to hear the last part of that is love, love not our life unto death. The Ukrainians right now, they got to love their life, not un, unto death. That's, that's a tough one, but I think we may be led to that here. And the only thing we're going to hang on to is the blood of Jesus and his salvation and his cross. And uh, that's my testimony. You know, Steve's story is very much like the prodigal son. His, uh, you know, under the care of the father, and he he left for a while, and and when he came back, and we can rejoice and say, "Man, we're so glad we let's cook that fatted calf." Amen. Amen. What year? Just out of curiosity, what year did you meet Suzanne? That's when everything changed. Praise the Lord. Nineteen eighty-eight. Wow, awesome. Hey. Uh, Man, I, so I asked Bryce to share, I asked Steve to share. 
And in sharing testimonies, you know, sometimes you, you see her every week and she's a blessing to this to this body and blessing to the church every week. And I want I want her to be able to share how she came to the Lord. So Jenny Russell, please come forward. Give her a hand. Hello again. <laughs> I had the the joy of sharing my testimony a few years ago. And it was very exciting. It was long. And I'd love to share more of the uh, details, <laughs> maybe later. Um, so I, I grew up in this very church. And I, I didn't like it. I uh I didn't I didn't understand why <laughs> I was made to go. I didn't want to go. Uh, I was like one I was the rebellious of the of the bunch <laughs> and the disobedient of the bunch uh, out of my four sisters. And so I fought them every step of the way. And looking back now I'm actually I'm really thankful because there were just certain foundations that were laid in my life, any even just from the songs that we used to sing here, even something as simple as Jesus loves me helped me later on in life. <laughs> and so I grew up here, didn't like it, couldn't wait to get out. And they they every time the doors were open, we were here. <laughs> it's just like this is just exhausting. And I didn't understand. And you know, I went through all the waves. I went through all the the motions. Like I went to all the conferences. I I did discipleship group. I did youth group. I did all of that. And nothing ever really clicked. And I I finally came to this conclusion. And the enemy's really good at what he does. He kept telling me, "Yep, it's just not for you. You he he made you wrong. There's something just not right with you." And so I I believed those lies. And I just kind of went through the motions and came because I was told to. And I finally, I mean, just years and years of this, you know, and uh, I even got baptized here. And it was like I, I was trying to do all these things or like I was told to do all these things that I thought was going to make me clean or make me righteous or a better person. So every time I did these things, I was like, okay, here I am. And nothing changed. I was like, man, okay, this just isn't for me. This is my parents' thing. Faith is just not for me. So I moved away. I moved to the cities. I went to culinary school. And that was supposed to be kind of a fresh start for me because I burned a lot of bridges here, got into a lot of trouble, made a lot of poor decisions, probably an embarrassment to the family, probably. Thank you for loving me. <laughs> Jeez. If you want all those details, I'd be happy to share them with you. They are, yeah, stunning. Anyway, so I moved, and I was like, cool. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to get into trouble. I'm not going to do all these things. Well, I went, and uh, I did all those things, plus more. Um, I uh, have some trouble physically with my back, so I started to self-medicate with pills, and uh, got addicted to Oxycontin and any kind of narcotics I could get my hands on. And uh, spent an obscene amount of money that was not mine. Got into trouble um, over there too, made wrong decisions, and basically I was homeless. And thankfully, I was able to graduate from college just by the skin of my teeth. I was actually, I was kicked out twice. They accepted me back twice. I have no idea why. When I look back, I can see God's provision and God's goodness everywhere. So that's been really cool to see over the years as I just, I keep reflecting and I keep processing. And it's, uh, he's, he is amazing. He is, he saved me from a lot of different things. Um, anyway, so I was homeless and I, I was like, man, I, um, I ruined everything here, and I have nowhere to go. So I packed up my car, and I moved back to Astorville, which I never thought I would do. I hated it here. Astorville hated me, for all I knew. <laughs> and I moved back here, and uh, 
Yeah, sorry, Steve, I might, I might beat you. This is going to be a long one. <laughs> anyway, so I, I moved back here. Thankfully, they embraced me with open arms. And honestly, I wouldn't be here without my parents. I wouldn't be here if they hadn't prayed for me and over me. So thank you. So I moved back. I had to make a lot of, uh, I had to reconcile a lot of uh, relationships and it was hard, especially to do that, like getting sober. I went through pretty gnarly withdrawals and I, I remember I was going through it. I was in, the, in my parents' basement. I was in the dark and I couldn't breathe. And I just kept singing, Jesus loves me. And, uh, and finally, I came to church and the previous pastor was here, Travis, and um, I came and I can't tell you what he preached about. I can't tell you what happened, but I knew I was just, I was uncomfortable. I knew I was rattled and I, I left. Like he was praying and I just darted out the door. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. It's just crazy that I'm back in this place. <laughs> and he, he, he chased after me. And he caught up with me. And he started asking me how I was doing, what I was doing now. And I can't even remember what I said. I wasn't doing much. It was like, I don't know, I'm just rotting in my parents' basement trying to figure out my life, trying to figure out what to do. And again, I don't know what he said, but I remember he told me, he looked at me, and he said, Jenny, God loves you. And for the first time, I believed it. And since then, I started coming around a little bit more often. They hired a, a worship leader and a youth pastor, and I got to know him, and we started playing music together and singing. And again, all those old songs that I used to sing, him and I would play through, and they started becoming very real. And then he invited me to youth group. And I started learning, like things like stories I had heard my whole life, but from a different perspective. And it was really powerful. It was really moving. And then he asked me to join the worship team. And so it was out of service that I came to know Christ. I was right here. And I was singing in Christ alone. And again, I believed the words that I was singing. And there was this connection between my heart and my head. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was crazy powerful. It was like Bryce said, it was just this warm sensation. And it took over. And Christ has literally changed me from the inside out. And he, yeah, I've, I don't know how much longer you want me to go. <laughs> it's crazy, you guys. Um, literally just took me from darkness to light, from death to life. Um, and I am, I'm forever thankful for this church. Um, they, they threw me in leadership pretty quickly, and I, I was able to, oh, to learn a lot from that as well. And I'm, I'm still here, um, still um, following Jesus, and he has blessed me with my husband I met here and my two kids, and I am just, yeah, I'm over the moon. I love I love my, my rescuer. I was just, I wanted to know him more. And so I was in the word. It was through service. It was through the word that I, I got to know Jesus and still doing it today. Amen. You know, Jenny has been not just uh, part of the church, but really a, a part of my life since I've been here. You know, it's been, it's been a journey, right? It's been a journey together. And honestly, no, I was just seeing, you know, everyone has ups and downs and it is what it is. But man, uh, we watch God provide not grace for us, grace for each other, grace for grace for ministry, grace for service. And and just, man, each time we think, oh, man, we messed up again. God shows us that grace that we show to each other. Amen. How many know it's important we show grace to each other? Amen. This morning. uh before uh, we close out on testimonies, I did ask uh, another one, a young man that 
I asked to share this morning and share about how he came to the Lord. So please put your hands together for Braxton Dahl. I will say, and I've said this to my wife as well, Braxton and Brittany have been such a tremendous blessing in our life. And uh, we love them. We love seeing how God has shown them how to grow and, and thrive and grow in their faith. And um, man, it's just, it's been a blessing to watch him grow, watch his family grow, and now I'll let him talk. So, there you go. thank you. Can I use this or? Okay. Am I worthy? <laughs> All right. Hello. I am Braxton Dahl. Dave has been doing an excellent job of getting me out of my comfort zone this year in 22. <laughs> I usually like to just hide back there in the corner and not talk to anybody and, and just hang out with my family. But uh, I'm supposed to give my testimony today and how it physically changed my life. And uh, here it goes. I had a really good life growing up. I was a part of a great family that are Christians and went to a church pretty regularly. We always had food on the table. I was pretty spoiled compared to other kids. So to say I have a dramatic testimony, I'd be lying. I grew up as a Lutheran for most of my life, and then high school came, and we ended up going to a more charismatic church called Crossroads here in Esterville. At that point in my life, I had no desire to follow Christ as I was a young high schooler, and I was just focused on girls and school and trying my hardest to be a cool kid. So during the crossroad days, I was not interested at all. It was the first time I seen people raising their hands in the church, and I just thought it was hilarious. I would make fun of them so hard. I would literally, I was literally thinking, why in the world are they raising their hands? The music is just terrible. It's almost like everyone was just faking it. Like it seemed to me at the time, they were all just pretending to be these righteous individuals, and I just found it super annoying. So by the time college came around, I was just a full-fledged heathen. Uh, college and through my early 20s is really where I got in some dark places looking back. I had very little thought of Christ during that time. There was glimpses here and there, but for the most part, there was absolutely no Christ in my life at that time. And I was just living by the flesh. I was drinking and smoking. I was going to bars. I was going to clubs. I was hopping from one relationship to the next, hanging out with my heathen friends. I did pot a few times. I did Adderall to stay up all night a few times. I would just try to live each day to the fullest, what I thought was living at the time anyway. Also, during that time, self-image was a huge thing to me. I had to have the nicest vehicles. I had to have the coolest profile picture. I had to broad myself, broadcast myself all over Facebook or other social media to show people how cool I was. I had to talk the smoothest. I had to show people how much money I made. So needless to say, at that time in my life, I worshiped money, image, alcohol, pleasure. With all this selfish fulfillment, I had some bad side effects I grew, up, I grew at this time. I had a bad temper where I would just snap at people if things weren't done my way. I was always boiling on the inside. I wasn't, or I wouldn't always show it, but I was always just boiling and angry on the inside for some reason. I had no idea why. I seldomly helped other people because it would take away time from my time. I grew a lot of bad traits during this time, jealousy for a variety of things. I also held grudges. I was bitter towards people. I was bitter because I wasn't happy with the way my life was turning out. I also did not know how to forgive people. So all that said, it was probably the darkest time of my life looking back. I was at the very bottom. After I started to realize that I had few friends because I would snap at them or I would backstab them or gossip about them, I started to catch on to their growing dislike for me. And then I, then I had the realization that I could potentially be alone in this world because of my terrible personality. And it was at that point I decided to research this Jesus guy. I went, I went, to, the, I went to Bible studies, and I did stuff like that for a while. I researched on my, stuff on my own, but nothing really ever caught. 
caught on because it's just hard for me to understand the basics of the gospel after growing up in a traditional Lutheran church and having the Ten Commandments beaten into my head and knowing I basically committed, committed the majority of them and trying to keep all those commandments seemed to just exhausting to me. I didn't understand what forgiveness and grace actually meant. I thought there was no way that I'm worthy of forgiveness and no way I can be perfect. It took me researching some of the people throughout the New Testament that Jesus forgave, like murderers and a prostitute, for it to click. And I got the revelation if that if a horror a prostitute or a horror a murderer can be forgiven, I'm sure I can be too. And me as a human on this earth, it's literally not possible for me to be perfect and not in sin. I can come pretty close, but it's a continual struggle while on this earth. And then learning that the shedding of the blood of Jesus lifts all that bondage from my life. So I kicked it up a gear, drew closer and closer to Jesus. I eventually accepted him into my life, and I was born again not too long after that revelation. I was around 25, I think. I can't quite remember. I'm 30 now, but so I'm still a young Christian, but... The closer I drew to Jesus and thirsted for him, the more naturally I obeyed those commandments. And the more I slacked in seeking Jesus, the more naturally the commandments were to break. I was just, it was a pretty easy cycle to understand. The blood of Jesus saved my life. It doesn't matter what I did in the past or if I slip up from time to time now, I am forgiven and I have a spot in heaven waiting for me. Now jump to today. I basically shed all those bad traits of my life. I still have a few strongholds I work on, but I definitely have the majority under control. My temper is gone. My inner, internal anger is gone. My jealousy is gone. My idols are gone. But unfortunately, those heathen, and unfortunately, those heathen friends that I that were sticking with me uh, were not digging the change they seen in my life. So. Basically, those friends are of the distant past. I am now that weird Bible beater they'd rather not associate with, which is fine for me because I don't want that temptation in my life anymore. But from time to time, when they're in their dark places, they reach out to me and want to learn about Jesus, and I gladly share the good news with them. It doesn't always click with them, but that's probably because I'm not the best evangelist yet. But hopefully it's just seeds for the future. It was important that I found Christ before I got married. A marriage without Christ is at, is Christ at its foundation is a marriage that is bound to fail or be miserable at the least. Thankfully, I found my beautiful wife, wife Brittany, that had good faith of her own. Her and I continue to build our faith in Christ together. We are continually having various revelations in Scripture, which is really fun. We are hoping that we can be good examples for our children, Reagan and Odin. This new faith in my salvation gave me enormous courage to take risks in my life because I know if I fail, everything is going to be okay in the end because I am no longer afraid of death and likely the risks that I'll be drawn to are purely influenced by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives me great vision and discernment for everything in my life. I even feel like I can read people much clearer than I could before I was saved. The Holy Spirit is just a powerful tool for many things. I, I'm continuing to learn more and more about the Holy Spirit. Taking risks takes me out of my comfort zone, especially risks I feel are led by the Holy Spirit, and it makes, makes me rely on Christ more and more through that adventure. I don't believe... Spirit-filled Christians are meant to be quiet and hide in the shadows like I have been doing. I believe we need to be out in the world speaking out, innovating, being entrepreneurs, being involved politically, and evangelizing. Why else would we be here if not be examples for the lost and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? Thank you. I can tell you that... Um, Boy, the first couple of years I was here, I would see Braxton. I'd say, hey, man, 
Like, man, it's so good to see you. We're going to see you in church Sunday? I'd be like, yeah, I'll see you at church Sunday. And then uh, a little bit later, I'd see him again. And so maybe he'd come to church. I'd go, man, it's so good to see you at church. I'm glad to see you here. He goes, yeah. And then, and then uh, a few weeks would go by, I wouldn't see Braxton. And then, and then again, I'd see him. I said, "Man, it's you know, good to see you. you Going to be in church Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I'll be in church Sunday. It'll be good to see you." So, and so it's just kind of one of those things where it's kind of on, off, on, off until it hit. And when it did, man, it was like, man, now all of a sudden, now it's like, man, I I need to grow. I need to serve. I need to thrive. I need to be involved with the Holy Spirit. I need to be like. It was awesome to see that growth in his life. One of the things I want to say, you know, Braxton has helped. Uh, Braxton has helped me in, like so many of you have helped, in being an encouragement, in, I, I believe, praying for, and uh, just seeing God um, help people grow, and seeing God help people come to just this really uh, in their families and in their faith, just a, a place to where they are able to not just be ministered to, but minister to others. And that's always a powerful thing. One of the things, one of my goals today was to, of those who shared, was just to have them share about, you know, they've been ministered to and have them and have, give them an opportunity to minister to you guys. So give all those who shared a hand this morning. <laughs> Speaking of giving a hand, hey, if you didn't notice, there's, there's a baseboards all around here now. And there's been some new paint. Please thank the volunteers who helped do that. It was, they did such a good job. I think Mike Hansen helped, Carol, Doug, all the, uh, the dolls, Evan helped. It was, man, uh, painting and baseboards and everything's starting to look real good. Amen? Amen. Hey, guess what? I have more of a sermon this morning. I have more to preach, but it's 12 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing. This is a good place to end it. So, man, we're going to get into uh, next week. We're going to, well, let's see. Yeah, next week. Uh, we're going to get into Galatians part three, and we're going to get into what happens when there's conflict within the church and how do we deal with those things. And we're going to look at, see Paul and how he dealt with some conflict with Peter. And so it's going to be some good stuff. But hey, if you would, stand with me this morning. And if you would, let's close our eyes and pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for those who are here this morning. Lord, I thank you that as we hear the testimonies, we would be reminded of our own. We would be reminded of how you came and saved us. Lord, how, we, how you reached into our darkness. You reached into our path. You stepped into our journey. Lord, that we encountered you. We chose you. We called for you. Lord, I pray over all those who are here this morning, all those watching online, remind us of what you brought us through. Remind us of how you saved us this morning. Remind us of how important it is to share the testimony we have. Lord, I pray over those who are here. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them rest in Jesus' name. Amen.